take refuge in the Buddha, in the Dharma, in all the wisdom of my teachers, and in the love of the Sangha. I'm going to go through the uh, collection of koans called the Muman Khan, and this is the second, the second case of that. Um, I talked about the, the uh, beginning of the Muman Khan and the basic outline last week. But it might be helpful to think about each case of the Muman Khan, each of the koans, is essentially like two people having a dialogue. We all have been in conversations where people are talking about something that we don't quite understand or something that's really above our level. And when that happens, we often tend to lose interest. But the koans are saying, okay, here are two adepts, adepts, having a conversation. And they say, here's the, the dialogue. And they ask that we learn and understand enough about ourselves and the Dharma to be able to get that conversation, to see what they're talking about. So, for example, if we're having a, a conversation uh, between two people about King's Day in Amsterdam, and you have no idea where the Netherlands is, it doesn't make much sense. But if you begin studying and you find out where the Netherlands is, and you find out where Amsterdam is, and you find out it's got lots of canals, and you find out you know, all the different things about it, the conversation begins to make sense. Then you can begin to appreciate it. With the koans, there's another aspect of it, is that is you have to be able to not only appreciate it, but you have to be able to express the particular teaching. So the Muman Khan is composed of 48 cases, and the second case is a very, very famous uh, case. Each, uh, each case has a story at the beginning, and then um, a commentary by Muman, and then a poem. The, case, the second case is Hyakujo's Fox. Uh, Hyakujo is the name of the mountain, and this is uh, the, held on the mountain of Hyakujo by the Master Ekai. This is, um, Master Ekai was uh, somebody from, I think, the ninth century in China. And Zen Master Muman collected this story when he was teaching at the end of the Song Dynasty in the 1200s. Now, there's a number of stories of Zen people teaching during times of dissolution. So at the end of the Song Dynasty, the Mongols had taken over the northern Song the southern part was being uh, uh, threatened by Kublai Khan. And there was a lot of uh, vibrancy about the uh, culture, but there also was a lot of threat. And eventually, you know, the Mongols overtook the southern dynasty just after Master Mumon. So he was teaching as the empire was falling apart. And so all these teachings are relevant to our times. They're relevant to us. Now, the first case of the Muman Khan we talked about is a monk at all seriousness asked the great master Joshua, is it true that even a dog has the Buddha nature? And Joshua replied, Mu. We discussed this. This koan is about the non-dual. All koans are about the non-dual. They're all about the Buddha mind, the Dharmakaya, the ultimate truth, whatever name you give it. There is no other. There is no other in the, that. So, these koans are about 
the ultimate state of non-discrimination. The ultimate state that is inclusive. There is no other. And so, whether civilizations are rising or falling, whether things are easy or hard, these koans are talking about something that is inclusive, that is stable, that is clear. They're always talking about the undisturbed, bright, clear mind. So this koan is about that too. And when we touch the undisturbed, bright, clear mind, imagine that you've spent a whole lifetime in a struggle with the Mongol Empire, or maybe with your own heart, or maybe you've just been struggling with your parents or your mind or your brain, fighting the culture, efforting to get someplace, and you touch, either deeply or shallowly, the one bright mind where there is no struggle. It's an enormous sense of relief. There is no war and peace. It's beyond you know, the temporary condition of peace and the temporary condition of war. There's a place of freedom. So the koan mu is about that place of freedom. And of course, it's about our life. It's about us finding freedom right here. It is also the case that if we encounter a place of freedom like that, we grab a hold of it. We try to say, ooh, that's mine. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I want some more of that. You know, as soon as we try to grab it, it dies because we've created separation. So this second koan is an important koan because if someone touches the one bright mind of their own true nature and somebody is in the present moment fully, there is no future. There is no past. There is no other. It also can mean that if we see that side of reality, there's really nothing to do. That, you know, things are just as they are and they just float through. This koan tries to help correct that state of mind that everything is one, everything is in this moment, and nothing matters. Because it's a kind of trap. So each koan is trying to help unlock a particular fixed idea that we have. So here's the koan that we're going to work on this evening. I'll read the whole case, although we're not going to work on the whole case. But it's cool. Hyakujo and a fox. The koan. Whenever Master Hyakujo gave a teisho, a dharma talk, on Zen, an old man sat with the monks to listen and he always withdrew when they did. One day, however, he remained behind, and the master asked, Who are you standing here before me? The old man replied, I'm not a human being. In the past, in the time of Kasho Buddha, one of the previous seven Buddhas, I was the head of this monastery. Once a monk asked me, Does an enlightened person also fall into causation or not? Or is an enlightened person subject to cause and effect? Or is an enlightened person free from cause and effect? There are different translations of that. I replied, they do not. Because of this answer, I was made to live a life as a fox for 500 lives. Now I beg you, please say a turning word on my behalf and release me from the fox body. 
The old man then said to Yakujo, does an enlightened person fall into causation or not? The master said, he does not ignore causation. It's not ignored, it's not put aside. Uh, several different translations of that line. Hearing, the, hearing this, the old man was at once enlightened. Making a bow to Hyakujo, he said, I have now been released from the fox body which would be found behind the mountain. I dare to make a request to the master, please bury it as you would a deceased monk. That's the first part of the koan. And it goes on. Now this koan is not about some superficial story out of old China. This koan is about non-duality. It's about non-separation. So in the non-dual, all the parts of this koan are us. There is no other. The old man, the young man, Yakujo, the fox, it's all parts of our own being. It's all our own nature expressed in different ways. The, the name Yakujo means hundred-foot mountain, something like that. And the traditional thing is that people who were head of the monastery on that mountain were called Master Hyakujo. So the, the old man who's talking to the current master is also called Hyakujo. So really this is talking about these young parts of us, these, these old parts of us. They're all our name. Hyakujo, the young person who made a mistake, Hyakujo the old person, Hyakujo the master, Hyakujo the fox. This particular koan asks us to to sidestep all of this story and get the the gist of it, get the the grist, get the, the essence of it. And the essence of it, it's about my life, your life, our life. So, if we look at the koan, we think, here's this guy. The old man said, I was, one, I was once ahead of this monastery. My name was Chakajo, too. I was a young guy. And um, I did something stupid. Made, a, made an error. Now, how many of us have done that? You know? How many of us have done stupid things when we were young? Ignorant things. So, And, of course, the obvious answer is every single person here. So what is it that we were ignorant of that enabled us to fall into the uh, error, as it were? What is it that young people don't understand? What is it that spiritual practitioners don't understand that... uh, results in us doing stupid things. It may be that cause and effect is not relevant. It may be that a young person doesn't understand cause and effect. It may be that, oh, it doesn't really apply to me. I'm somehow special. It may be that we've touched the timeless, and in the timeless there is no cause and effect because there is no future. There's no tomorrow. There's only this moment. So practically speaking, what do we do? We buy things on credit. Oh yeah, I'll pay that later. We ignore the, the tr- causation and eventually we come back and we've got this big debt that came out of our own ignorance. 
or people end up pregnant, or they end up with STDs, or they end up being addicted. They indulge in something in the present moment that they think, oh, the effects of this aren't going to really matter to me. I'll handle them when the time comes. Oh, yes, I'll just pay off that loan. Oh, yes, you know, I won't get pregnant. Oh, yes, whatever the case may be. We've all done stupid things. So the koan here is, how do we free ourselves? It's late. This old guy says, you know, I maybe gave a wrong answer. I told somebody something that was untrue or something that was missed the mark. And because of that, I have all this stuff I've got to deal with. I've got these karmic um, effects, results. But we have the same thing. So the question in this koan is, how do we free ourselves from our own errors? How do we free ourselves from our own ignorance? And that's what the koan is asking over and over again. How do we free ourselves? So, of course, isn't that what we're all looking for? We're all looking for liberation. We're all looking for, for freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from our own tight, small, gnarly minds. Freedom from the circumstances that we found ourselves in. Shakajo, Master Ekai, this particular version of Shakajo, was a very famous person. He, uh, in the 900s, he's the person who first formalized uh, monastic rules. As you, as you all know, when you have a couple of people together, you don't really need many rules. You get four or five, yeah, just a few casual things. You get a few hundred, and the more people you get together, the more rules you need in order for them to live together in some kind of harmony. When you get 300 million, or 7 billion, then the rules just proliferate in order to find some common denominator so we can live together. So he's the first person to actually lay out the monastic rules for the monasteries in China. He also, when he was old, um, A little bit reminds me of Chosen. When he was old, he was still working around the monastery. He had his gardening tools, and he would putter around and water his plants and, and uh, you know, do things in the vegetable garden. And people decided that he was too old and decrepit. He was too tired. He was too worn out. And so they wanted to try to force him to rest. So they took away his tools. And he stopped eating. And the second day, he stopped eating. The third day, he stopped eating. People began getting worried. Here's this fragile old man. Stopped eating. And they said, why are you stopping eating? Why, why aren't you doing that? He said, a day of no work is a day of no eating. A day of no work is a day of no eating. A day when you're not engaged and responsible for your life. I don't take from my life. Another very famous uh, story is he was out walking one day with his teacher, Basso, and they were walking you know, out um, where there were ducks, geese. They startled some. The geese flew away. You can often see this up at uh, Great Val. And Basso asked Yakujo, where have they gone? And ba- ba- 
But Jagadu said, well, they flew away. And then Basso went out and grabbed his nose and twisted it really hard and said, oh, you think they flew away? And with that, he had a, a deep awakening. In a way, you could say that particular awakening was, was his crusted version of his mind. The crusty ideas he had about self and other were just broken as his nose was broken. Because everything is right here. Where do the geese go? How do you free a goose from a bottle? It has to do with the nature of our own mind. So, This, com- this uh, Mumon has a little commentary on that. Not falling into causation. Why was he turned into a fox? Not ignoring causation. Why was he released from the fox body? If you have an eye to see through this, then you will know that the former head of the monastery enjoyed his 500 happy, blessed lives as a fox. If you have the eye to see through this, falling into, not falling into, if you have the eye to see through this, you will see where he's liberated. If we have the eye to see through all of our struggle, right there is a place of liberation. Uman's poem, not falling, not ignoring. Odd and even are on one die, or two faces on one die. Two faces on one side of half a dice. Not ignoring, not falling. Hundreds and thousands of regrets. So, when you're working on a koan like this, how do, we, how do we free ourselves? That's the question. And we have to demonstrate that. We have to vividly show it. It's not just a matter of Okay, I'll write it down in a book, and I'll read it in the book. And because I read it in the book, I am now liberated from my own challenges. So take a, a, a debt. Say we've got a lot of debt. What do we have to do to free ourselves from a lot of debt? Now, one way of doing that is we think, okay, I've got all this debt. I just got to get rid of it. I got to work really hard. As soon as I get rid of the debt, as soon as I get finished with it all, I'll be free. And then I'll go out and buy something else, and I'll get deeply in debt again, and then I'll go out and work on that, and I'll spend my whole life in the rat race. And we all talk about the rat race of this, of certain kind of slice of society in this time. As you, you get an education, you end up with big debt, in order to you know, get the debt, you have to buy certain accoutrement for your job. You, you buy, a, buy a better car, you buy clothing, you get your job, you have to work in your job in order to pay off your debts. You, your job, you're successful in your job, you actually get promotions or raises. You, begin, you buy a house in order to house yourself while you're working off your debts. And in the, in the process, you make more debts. And you keep thinking, I'll just get free of debt, I'll get free of debt, I'll get free of debt. Liberation is somewhere out there. Same thing is true with our own life here. We're depressed. 
We've got a tight, hard knot in our chest. We've got difficult karmic circumstances. The worldly view is, I'll get rid of it, and then I'll become liberated. I'll get rid of it, and I'll become liberated. I'll, this mess is a mess, and as soon as I clean up the mess, I'll be free. This cycle is called samsara. It's an endless cycle. It just goes around and around and around. We're in trouble. We work really hard to get out of trouble. More trouble comes. We work really hard to get out of trouble. More trouble comes. We have a time of peace, and we become dissolute, and we stop paying real close attention, and we're not really uh, spending wisely, and we get up in, in debt, and then we get into an economic crisis, and then people start feeling antagonistic and aggressive, and then uh, they start fighting, and then a war comes, and then we are so horrified by the war that we struggle very hard for peace, and we finally, peace comes, and then as we go back into indolence and back into mindlessness, you know, all the causation of war happens again, and it goes around and around and around. That's the, that's the cycle of samsara. Or we keep thinking, Okay, I've got a great relationship. Oh, failed miserably. Oh, here's another nice relationship. Oh, it failed miserably. Oh, here's another nice relationship. Oh, it failed miserably. Maybe the next one. Maybe the next one. Maybe the next one. Before we know it, you know, we're we're disappointed and bereft. This koan is about the true freedom to stand right in the midst of one's life. To sit right in the midst of the storm. To be completely present with the difficulties of our life. It's not about, I will be free when I pay off my debt, but in paying off the debt itself, there is freedom. In facing the consequences of our life, there is freedom. In engaging directly and wholeheartedly and completely, without there being something else, without there being the grass is greener, without there being a better house, monastery, place, to be completely engaged right there in this moment with our life, to sit right in the middle of the storm. There is no other life. Right there is a place of freedom. Anyone who's done any 12-step work, the very first step is you have to say, okay, there's a storm going on. I'm right here in the middle of the storm. You can begin to do some work. Ryokan said something like, if sickness comes, that's okay. If disaster comes, that's okay. If catastrophe comes, that too is okay. So this koan has to be answered in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of the very challenges that we have. We have to find liberation right there. One of the criterion, I think, for liberation is people who go through really hard times and they think, that's okay. You've got back pain, that's okay. You've got medical situations. That's okay. Dano is a great example at the monastery. Dano, we've got COPD, and he goes around the monastery with his oxygen tank, and he can hardly breathe sometimes. And he just starts laughing and say, oh, yeah, everything's okay. 
the ability to find freedom because our mind is in the present moment, because our mind is seeing through confusion, because our mind is crystal clear right in the midst of our difficulties. That's what this koan is about. So we do zazen, we learn how to sit in our own skin, we learn how to sit in the present moment, we learn how to to be in the middle of this dreamlike reality. And right there, freedom is found. So the expression of that, one expression of that, is the chant that we often do, which we'll do right now, called liberation of all, all, liberation of all obstructions. And when we can embody this chant, liberation from all obstructions, when there's heat, I choose heat. When there's cold, I choose cold. When, I, when it's time to give, I choose to give. When it's time to live, I choose to live. When it's time to have joy, I choose to have joy. I choose to be completely with what is, when it is, right now. This life is as real as a dream. The one who knows it cannot be found. And truth is not a thing. And therefore, I choose this. This. Dharma entrance gate.